What do disc golfers have in common with ice skaters, basketball players, and volleyball players? The answer may surprise you. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to episode 14 here on Teach Play Disc Golf, a Gladiator Disc Golf podcast. I'm your host, Antonio, and I am so excited to have you with me here today. I'm really excited for today's show. I have some really fun uh, conversation pieces planned for you all, and I cannot wait to go ahead and get into it. So like I started the show, we're going to be talking about a very interesting disc golf skill, and we're going to lead the show with that. We're going to be talking about this concept of gliding, and this is a, a, a video that I've made in the past, and I wanted to touch on it again because it is something that I've just continued to work on and improve and I wanted to share some information with you. After that, we're going to have our disc review. I am so excited for this week's this week's disc review. Uh, it's been a little while since we've had one. OTB sent me some discs and I'm really excited to share them with you over the next couple of weeks. Following that, we will talk about what has happened in disc golf the last week, you know, some current events, winners, losers, tournament recap, and a tournament preview uh, that we have coming up this next weekend. So I am really excited for today's show. So let's go ahead and let's get right into it. The principle I want to talk to you about is gliding. Now, I call it gliding. You may have heard other people say, you know, transferring your weight, shifting your body weight. And truthfully, I would say that these are all pretty much the same thing, but for every disc golfer, something about each of those phrases clicks differently. I know when I was working with Cade last year, uh, he helped me with so many things. I made a video about it. You know, Biomechanist breaks down my form. There are 11 tips to this, um, and I'm not going to at all try and tackle all 11 in this video, but the one that stood out to a lot of people and has completely changed my backhand is this concept of gliding. When you think about an ice skater, basketball player, volleyball player, baseball and softball players, they all might do it a little differently, but they all have elements of gliding as they move around a court, rink, or field. Uh, it's really important for them to be able to shift their weight quickly. And the best way to do that is in a fluid motion similar to a glide. You don't want to have a really rough um, and, and almost like a broken kind of movement, a very sharp kind of movement. You want to have gliding movement. We see some of the best running backs in football have this as well. Every running back can make really sharp cuts. But the best running backs make those same cuts super smoothly so that they don't lose their momentum, they don't lose their speed. And so gliding is basically your body weight and momentum sliding or gliding into your brace. Now we don't want to be on top of our brace because when we're on top of our brace in disc golf, we tend to be and to, and we tend to end up going over our foot, and that's not exactly what we want. We want it to be uh, more coming into the brace, kind of like putting brakes on our forward progression uh, so that all of the momentum that we have built in our X step or standstill goes into the disc as it flies down the fairway. We want to have this clean follow through. 
by getting our back foot up. And the reason why this is so important in the gliding principle is that when you think about all those different athletes I named, the ice skaters, the basketball players, football, baseball, softball, volleyball, when they end up gliding, one foot is always coming off the ground. Even if for a split second, one foot is coming off the ground. And that foot coming off the ground tells your body that in order to stay balanced, in order to stay upright, you have to shift your weight to the other foot. And so there are times where it's inevitable you might throw a backhand and your back foot never comes up. It could be some super sharp Anheuser throw. It could just be the elevation of the ground that you're on may not make it entirely possible. And I know someone like Kristen Tatar doesn't normally get her foot all the way up off the ground, but the vast majority, like 98% of MPO and FPO players get their back foot up. And that is all in an effort to carry their weight and momentum forward into their brace. And so this gliding motion, you almost want to just kind of sift side to side in your seat right now while you're driving or while you're sitting at home listening to this or in the office. Like just kind of go from like side to side and, and lift your foot up while you're doing it, whatever foot you're not moving towards. Um, because basically the idea that you want there is to get used to being uh, balanced while your feet are imbalanced so to speak. And that's going to help this gliding factor really start to feel comfortable. Now, after nearly a year of working on this, I by no means am I perfect. You know, one thing that I've learned is that the backhand in disc golf is always challenging me. It is always something I've had a hard time learning. And so even one year of working on a couple things does not mean that I have mastered any of that. It's just taking, it takes me a lot of time with the backhand forehand was a very different story. But with the backhand taking me some time and after a year of working on this, my backhand has improved tremendously because of so many things, but specifically this gliding feature. And one thing that helped is that the terminology clicked for me because I have a basketball background. And so that whole gliding aspect really clicked. And the way I knew I was doing it is because I used to throw backhands and I never felt anything in my lower body. Like I would think my hips were engaged. I would think I was getting power from my lower body, but I could go play a whole round and feel nothing. But now when I play a full round and I'm, I'm a righty backhand, so I brace on my right leg by the end of a round or a couple of rounds, uh, depending how well I stretched and that kind of thing, like I will feel some soreness like, hey, you just worked it out in my hamstring and glutes by that bracing, by that, by that pressure, by those muscles and tendons really like just being in an athletic position and having to do... Um, a frequent, repeatable athletic motion. And so that has been really cool to see uh, and just experience because I've never felt that before. And that is just, you know, one sign of me getting my lower body engaged, feeling those muscles get worked, but then also the distance and accuracy and consistency, which I've been throwing my mid range, uh, which I've been throwing my backhand, not just mid ranges, but my backhand. So that's been really cool. I really just wanted to touch on this disc golf skill because it's something that helped me tremendously. And 
the gliding aspect i haven't heard a lot of people talk about we a lot of disc golf youtubers have talked about and podcast people now at this point for me have talked about you know shifting transferring your weight this kind of thing but i haven't seen or heard someone use the term gliding and i can't even take ownership of that that comes from cade and i just wanted to share that knowledge with you all because that is something that has helped me tremendously as i work on my backhand and just a lot of the um the 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 benefits and the way i've profited off of this one particular skill and it's just been awesome with that so I know that was a lot to probably take in and I just want to encourage you that if you have questions, definitely go ahead and leave them in the comments and I'll do my best to answer them. And if you still have more questions and you know text-based messaging isn't really helping, you can go ahead and send me a video on GiveGo and I can get back to you. I'll answer your question. I'll review your form with annotations and voiceover. I'd be more than happy to help you. And if you use my code Regiro in the description below, you will get your first session for free. I'd be more than happy to help you with that. But that is all for the disc golf skill. Now let's go ahead and let's talk about one of the coolest discs I've probably thrown in a while and one that I didn't even know existed until like a week and a half ago. So close to two weeks ago, OTB sent me a disc called the Peace Train from Jester Disc Golf. Now, I had never um, heard of this brand or heard of this disc. And uh, before they sent it to me, I messaged OTB. I was like, hey, can you guys send me a bunch of discs that you love, but maybe that not a lot of other players have thrown? Uh, you know, just something that you would want the community out there to kind of hear about. And I am so excited to tell you about the Peace Train. This disc is a five speed, four glide, minus two turn, one fade mid-range. Uh, very, very cool mid-range at that. Jester Disc Golf is located in California, but I believe based on what I've seen on, uh, in, in a quick search, what I've seen on Reddit, because I couldn't find it anywhere else, is that people presume for Jester Disc Golf to be made by MVP. Uh, this is the only disc I've been able to look at in person and definitely feels like Apex Plastic for Mint or what would be, uh, I believe, Neutron for MVP. Uh, definitely feels like that. The consistency is very similar, like in just hand feel, because I, I have a lot of Mint discs and I've thrown a lot of Mint discs. And so just having that sort of... Uh, familiarity with the plastic and then obviously seeing pictures of their swirly plastic which we would recognize as plasma um, or sublime for mint so plasma for mvp sublime for mint all very similar looking so i guess just kind of based on the community people have said mvp i don't know that that has been released yet but i believe it uh because it also flies really really good and it feels really really good so the way this disc kind of you know looks in the hand is it's got a sharper mid-range. It is a five-speed, but it's very close to that six-speed, in my opinion, like a little bit sharper, and you would have a leopard here, okay? It's got a flat top. It's not really domey, at least this particular disc. Um, not very domey whatsoever. It is understable, but not a flip machine. Now, there are some arms out there that they would throw this and this thing would, you know, just 
flip and burn kind of thing. And you know, I could probably get it to do that too. But when you're throwing a mid-range, you're typically not throwing it as hard as you possibly can, or you're not really trying to like flip it super hard. Um, Mid-ranges are normally for more controlled shots. And so the understability here uh, for most players isn't going to be an issue. Um, it's not, like I said, a flip machine, but it will turn when thrown flat. And it is really nice for hyzer flips. Uh, allegedly molded by MVP. And I say that again because the top feels like a mint Mustang. That was one thing I noticed right off the bat before I knew MVP allegedly was molding these. Um, right off the bat, this feels like the top of a mint Mustang and not quite a mint lobster on the bottom. Feels uh, a little bit flatter than that. Feels faster than that too. This definitely flies faster than a lobster. Um, honestly, a disc that I've thrown that flies very similarly to this is something like a Buzz SS but I found this disc to be flippier out of the box than a Buzz SS. I've thrown a Buzz SS before, and it basically flies like I would expect the Buzz to fly out of the box. Now, granted, that was also a saw almost a year ago, like 10 months ago when I probably threw those discs, and my backhand form was not as good as it is today. So it's possible that my form wasn't helping when I was throwing those discs and testing them out, but at that time, when I was throwing versus today, this flies similarly to a Buzz SS. And so for those of you who are looking for something new, um, this could be a really cool disc to check out. Uh, I was able to throw this a couple times earlier today, and I measured with U-Disc, and I had a nice little soft hyzer flip that just flew perfectly pin straight. I got to go about 285 feet. And so that was a really nice throw. It came out really smooth, nice and flat. And it flipped up and it maybe had a touch of turn, but really not much. It just kind of held straight and finished nice and flat. I also threw this on a couple other angles. I threw it with some Anheuser, not super steep Anheuser because obviously at minus two turn and only one fade, it wouldn't come back. But a soft Anheuser and it just really leaned into that Anheuser flight. But it had enough stability and I didn't throw it too hard that it was able to finish just nice and flat and slide. So really nice controlled panning Anheusers. And then for hyzers, it does have enough stability on the disc to handle a hyzer. It's not going, you know, you're not going to throw it up into the air and it's just going to flip and that's the last you ever see of it. It does have enough stability to hold that angle, but because of the glide, it's going to be a nice gliding hyzer. Uh, can really help you carve the woods. Uh, basically, this disc flies really, really well. Um, you can use it to cover a lot of shots in the bag, especially if you're looking for kind of a workhorse mid-range um, and you don't want something too stable because you don't like throwing flex lines, throwing something that'll hyzer flip but also hold a hyzer line with a, enough uh well, with enough angle and the right amount of power, it'll hold a hyzer line. Um, this is a really cool go-to mid-range. It feels great. And not a lot of people, I haven't seen anybody throwing this disc on a course. And so you could be the first one in your area to be throwing it. So very, very cool. They also have a putter called the Love. And I think there might be another one, but I can't remember it now off the top of my head. But very cool discs. I like it a lot. Um, I don't know. 
that I have a spot for it in my bag just because I have comets right now in that slot. And this is just basically a comet, but faster. And yeah, also I already have some uh, pretty flippy and fast putters in the bag as well. But does it mean it can eventually one day find its way in the bag? Because I really enjoyed throwing this disc. It's really uh, smooth in the hand. It feels great. Nothing about it feels awkward to hold whatsoever. And so definitely enjoyed throwing this disc. And I would encourage you to check it out if you're looking for a new mid-range. So if you want to get this disc, OTB has them in stock. Go to otbdiscs.com and search Jester Disc Golf or Peace Train, and then we'll pull it up. Don't look through the manufacturer list because last time I looked, they, Jester Disc Golf wasn't there yet. So you'll have to search in the search bar for uh, Peace Train or Jester Disc Golf, and it'll pull all of them up there. Head there, check it out. Really cool disc. And when you go and get some of these, make sure you use discount code GladiatorDG to save yourself on shipping costs. Help you out a little bit. I appreciate it. And I'm sure your wallet appreciates it as well when you get some more discs with a free, uh, with a discount code for free shipping. So go ahead and check out the Peace Train, guys. I think you'll like it a lot. Very cool disc. And if you don't like it, I can always take it off your hands. So <laughs> there we go. That's that's our disc review for today. Now let's go ahead and let's talk about some of the stuff that has happened in the last week of disc golf. All right, so I had one of my good buddies. You guys have seen him before on the channel, Matt. He was listening to episode 13 last week. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate the support, man. Uh, he was listening to the episode and he's, you know, I forget how far into it, maybe like 15, 20 minutes. And he calls me up. And he's like, dude, what are you saying on this podcast? I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't say anything that bad. You know, I know I was criticizing some of Simon Lazat's uh, hot takes, but I mean, if you make a hot take, it's made to be criticized. And so he basically said that it sounded like I was calling out the USDGC and saying that it wasn't a good tournament, that it wasn't a good layout. And so before I get into some of the other stuff, I just want to clarify that the USDGC is a prestigious tournament. It's always well run. I do enjoy watching that tournament. Last week, I was only just talking about the, the whole idea of having unnecessary out of bounds that are hard to see and how it could be improved by keeping those out of bounds where they are. But instead of playing those out of bounds as you play from where you were last in bounds, you play that OB as a hazard. So if a player wants to throw a 700 foot roller on hole 15 or whatever it is, that's like the 900 foot hole, let them throw the roller. If they end up out of bounds with their roller, they take the stroke, but they play it because it's a hazard. And so I was just kind of, you know, elaborating on that whole idea of I don't like a lot of the artificial OB at USDGC, but I think they could keep a lot of that artificial OB by turning it from complete OB to hazard. And that would really make some of the holes really high risk, high reward. I think it'd be really fun to watch players throw really big bombs on these fairways and they might go OB, but at least they get to play from where the disc stops. Unless of course it goes like into a road or something. So I think that would be a really cool touch. I just wanted to touch on that. I was not at all trying to diminish the USDGC. I think it's a very cool tournament. I look forward to it every year. And you know, obviously the players on tour look forward to it every year, but I just wanted to touch on that. 
Sorry if anybody else was confused about that. That is not at all what I meant. But let's go ahead. And uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was just how happy I was to see Ricky Wysocki back on tour. This was his second event since coming back. And last week he played really well. He didn't finish on the podium. I think he finished, he ended up finishing like just outside the top 10, I think, or maybe it was like tied for seventh. But this week he goes and comes back on tour with a vengeance. He ends up finishing in first. He ends up winning the Discraft Cascade Challenge and did it in such Ricky fashion too. Just consistent, relentless play. Didn't matter how many strokes he might've been up with a couple holes left. He stuck to his game plan. He did what Ricky did, what Ricky does, you know, and he just continued to apply the pressure. And I just think that that is something that is so great about Ricky's game is that, yes, he's aware of the scores. Um, yes, he knows what's on the line. But I think there's so many things that athletes can take away from that. And disc golfers, especially as they're growing into playing tournaments and that kind of thing. So if you ever find yourself in the position that you're leading, you're up a couple strokes and you got a couple holes to play. What I love about Ricky is that he doesn't let his foot off the gas. Paul doesn't let his foot up off the gas. And that whole mentality is that I'm not going to try anything stupid, but I'm also not going to change what got me here. And that is so important because the moment you start letting up and is basically you are accepting that you've already won, even though the round is not over. The tournament is not over. We see this happen in other sports all the time, whether it's basketball or football, where teams will have such a lead that it's easy for them to sort of fall into a trance where it's like, well, you know, we're up 21 points It's in the game of football or up 28 points. It's okay if we have a turnover here. It's okay if we have a couple turnover on downs. And next thing you know, it's five minutes left in the game and the 28-point lead has down has now shrunk down to three or seven, maybe even 10, So, but it's still a closely contested game. And at that point, it's really hard to turn the gears back up because you've settled into such a zone. That is just one thing that was really fun watching this weekend. Uh, James Conrad came out with... Uh, a 14 under round one, which is just insane. And then proceeded to only shoot only, I say in quotes, you know, minus 11 on the final two rounds. And not that all that James was like, oh, I got this in the bag. Let me take my foot off the gas. But there was just something so um, astounding to watch with Ricky where every round he just kept pushing, just kept pushing, just kept pushing. And that is not something that, uh, uh, you know, you can just do whenever you want. That is trained, that is worked on because it's all up here mentally. That kind of mentality isn't just about your skill and your strengths and weaknesses on the disc golf course. It's about your mental fortitude, that, that ability that you have to stay focused no matter the situation, whether you're winning or losing. And it was just really cool to watch Ricky perform. I'm very happy for him to win. Uh, it was great. And I hope, you know, he posted afterwards and says uh, the Waisaki team couldn't have done this without them. And it was just really great to see that, you know, in a weird sort of way, 
Ricky's absence this year has made me a much bigger fan of his uh, because I also just think he's handled a lot of uh, this stuff in a really great way. And so it's been a lot of fun, uh, you know, talking about Ricky on this show and now seeing him perform again. And, you know, if he keeps it up, he could very quickly become a world champion favorite going into the world championships here in a couple months. Uh, more on world championships in a little bit. We'll talk We'll talk about someone in particular who hasn't played the last few weeks. But first, I want to go ahead and congratulate Kat Merch on her second Disc Golf Pro Tour title of the season. She went from zero before this year to now has two wins, two victories on the Disc Golf Pro Tour, two notches in her belt. Super happy for her. Her game has really come along over the years and it's been really cool watching her progression, watching her growth. And her game is just continuing to become more and more solid. Um, definitely a player with a lot of power and a lot of passion. And so I really feel like her ceiling is super high as she continues to hone her skills. It's going to be really fun watching her in the coming years. Um, you know, a, a young name that is coming up, been on tour for a little while now, and just really starting to make a household name for herself. Really fun to watch her play. I'm super excited for her and happy for her. Now, I talked about Worlds for a second there with Ricky. This past week, and I think for the last two weeks, if I'm not mistaken, Paul has been in Spain uh, working with his foundation and all this great stuff. I, I love it. You know, building courses, playing with people who have never played disc golf before. I absolutely love it. But it is the middle of the season. Now, I believe, I believe the European tour is picking up soon. And so this could be just a whole timing thing. I'd have to double check that. Um, but I'm not 100% certain. Okay, yes. Yeah, so we have the Estonia Open kicking off the European Pro Tour this weekend as well. Okay, so okay, so that makes some sense that he coordinated his Spain trip. Ideally, it sounds like he coordinated his Spain trip to lead into the Estonia Open to kick off the uh, the European uh, Pro Tour. And Paul has been vocal about him wanting to win a couple of the events there and play well there uh, and all that kind of stuff. Now, that being said, that's really cool because that takes you know some of the relief off my mind. But I've always liked Paul. I've always enjoyed watching him play. I have questioned this year whether he's ready for Worlds. Now, I know he did, he did win Worlds last year. I know that he didn't win a ton of tournaments last year, but still was able to get the victory at Worlds. I'm not saying that he's not going to be able to do that again this year. All I'm saying is the competition has elevated. The competition has stepped up. And so I just, you know, I, I know Paul will probably never hear this, but it's one of those where it's like, I want to see the best version of Paul Macbeth at Worlds. And part of me is concerned and worried that we're not going to see that because of all these other projects he's been working on. Great things. I love it. I mean, you guys have seen me wear my Montenegro shirt. It's where my half my family is from. I love it. I totally support it. But I know that if Worlds comes around and Paul is nowhere even near 
uh, contention. Doesn't even maybe finish top 10, which would be shocking. But like if he if that ends up happening, that's going to be a huge letdown. And so I'm not saying like he's not going to win Worlds. I'm just saying we've seen so many. We've seen James Conrad really pick it up. I, last year was a really off year for him. He's been picking it up this year. We've seen guys like Isaac Robinson, Silas Schultz. Ricky is now back. Okay, we have a lot of other players making names for themselves this season. While they don't have the pedigree and the winning history that Paul has, that doesn't mean that they won't potentially have the chance to win doesn't mean that someone else can't come out of the woodwork and win worlds so all i say i say all that because i just want to see the best version of paul possible at worlds because he's defending his world title he's going for number seven it would just be uh it would definitely be a little disappointing if he shows up and it's not the Paul Macbeth we're used to seeing. So that's all. That's all that I wanted to uh, to say about that. Um, let me know in the comments below what you think. Um, do you think it's crazy to think that Paul, you know, isn't going to be prepared? Am I, you know, just? Or, you know, am I crazy to think that he won't be prepared because you believe that he will one hundred percent be prepared? Or, <laughs> or do you think that Paul is washed up? Because I would definitely debate that and say, no, he's not. But I know there are some people out there that probably um, feel that way. But I do not feel that way. I don't think he's washed up. I just think he has a lot going on right now. And I just want to make sure that we have a focused Paul Macbeth for Worlds, someone that's warmed up. And I definitely think the European Pro Tour will help with that. Because they have some amazing courses there, which, by the way, I cannot wait to watch um, to watch that coverage. Uh, man, it is just beautiful looking at those courses. But let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and let's recap uh, the Discraft Cascade Challenge. We talked about a couple players: James, Cat Merch, Ricky Waisaki. It was really fun. Sayananda, we didn't even really talk a whole lot about, haven't talked about her, mentioning her for the first time. She played really well. Kat just really dominated the final back nine of the of the tournament uh, for FPO and just really separated herself from the rest of the field. And so it's been really fun watching her. But this course overall, that's what I want to focus on here. This course was so cool. So, so cool. I love wooded courses, and this was so much fun to watch. I love how much the pros were tested because they had to have every shot in the bag, backhand and forehand. And if you didn't have one of those shots, the replacement shot needed to be really, really good. For example, um, hole 16 is the straight, I believe it was hole 16, the straight fairway, and then it has a dog leg to the right. It's the one where you can go down the middle, and some people took the sky hyzer around all the trees. That was super high risk, high reward. Most players went down the middle with a forehand that faded out towards the basket. Sometimes you hit a tree, sometimes you didn't, sometimes you went long, so on and so forth. James Conrad is renowned at this point for not having 
that good of a forehand. He has a pretty decent forehand. I mean, he can forehand, and every time he forehands, it normally comes out really well. Instead of throwing a forehand here, James says, I don't feel comfortable with that tool in my bag, so I'm going to go with what I'm more comfortable with. A hyzer flip envy shot that just keeps turning even though I threw it on hyzer. That is such a technical shot. And it's not because it's just a hyzer flip that he burned over. The, the thing that we have to understand about that kind of technical shot is that this is a 350 foot hole where maybe 50 feet of it is the final you know, dog leg to the right. So this disc has to hyzer flip going straight 300 feet and only start turning by the time it rounds the corner so that I can continue dumping. So you have to know a disc so well that you can predict when it's going to start turning to ensure that it doesn't turn too soon and hit a tree or that it doesn't turn too late or never turns at all. That is somebody in James Conrad who is so familiar with his throwing putters that he knows exactly what to do and then knows exactly how the disc is going to react when thrown a specific way. That is the benefit of field work. That is the benefit of sticking with discs in your bag and not swapping them out constantly because it's, you know, the arrow, not the archer. It's 100% the archer. And working with a disc like that, there are so many sort of weaknesses in your game that you can cover up when you have skills like that and discs like that where you just know exactly what they're going to do. So that was so cool. And I loved seeing so many different ways to tackle this course. Uh, you saw forehands and backhands. You saw hyzer flips. You saw flex shots. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily one was always better than the other. A lot of it had to do with the execution. And so that was just really cool to see. I felt like everything on that course, unless I missed something, I felt like everything was fair. Like you need the, the players that won and placed top five, top 10 were players that played good, smart golf. They didn't try anything stupid. They didn't try to get too crazy unless it was time to get crazy. They played good, smart golf, and they knew their bags. They hit their lines. They had great release angles. Just basically perfect, flawless golf for an entire weekend. So I really enjoyed watching that uh, tournament coverage. I hope you did as well. So let's go ahead and let's run through the top 10 for MPO and then FPO. We had Ricky at minus 29 leading the pack. A player that maybe not a lot of new players know, Matt Bell, second place at minus 26. Matt Bell has is like multiple uh, multi, you know, putting world champion. So good with the putter. He used to be sponsored by DGA. He is now sponsored, I think, by TSA slash Infinite as well, I think. But Matt Bell, super good putter, great woods player. Uh, tied for second with Matt Bell is Evan Scott, a young up-and-coming player uh, who's been making I've seen his name several times, playing really, really well. Fourth place, James Conrad at minus 25. Fifth place, we had a, a tie Eagle McMahon, Anthony Barella, and Yuna Heinen at minus 23. 
In eighth place, we had Andrew Marweed at minus 22. I haven't heard his name in a while on the top 10. And then in ninth place, we had a lot of players. We had Connor O'Reilly, Garrett Gerthy, Isaac Robinson, Andrew Presnell, Gavin Babcock, and Eric Oakley at minus 21. So we had the top nine technically because we don't have a 10th place because it goes from 9th to 15th. We had the top nine, top 10 go from minus 29 with Ricky to minus 21. So eight strokes separating. I say it, I feel like every week we are just seeing more and more players um, like just filling the top 10 and the the room for error grows smaller seemingly every week. Like, yeah, there's a three-stroke difference between first and second, but from second to ninth, it's five strokes. And a lot of money difference. For example, second place got $2,875. Fourth place got $2,000. It was only a one-stroke difference, and that one stroke for James cost him $875. And then after that, fifth place got $1,650, so it was $350 less. And then you had $1,492. So first place got $4,500. Ninth place got $1,192. So there's $3,400 difference, $3,200 difference, or $300 difference from first to ninth. Like that is why disc golf is a grind. That is why every putt, every stroke counts because some of these players were only one or two strokes away from a $1,000 difference. Um, just just crazy, crazy to think about. In the FPO division, I won't harp on that too long because I can just keep going. Cat Merch, first place at minus 11. Sayananda, second place at minus 8. Holland Hanley, third place at minus 4, along with Maria Oliva and Lisa Fakis. Sixth place, Emily Beach. Sixth place, Emily Beach at minus 3. I had her on my grip 6 pick. And then seventh place, Vanessa Van Dyken at minus two. Eighth place, Ali Smith at even. Ninth place, Danny Clyden at plus one. And tenth place, Likey Lorenzen at plus two. I believe that is how uh, you pronounce her name. So really, really cool. Yeah, the it's a three-stroke difference between first and second. But going into that hole, it was a four or five-stroke difference. Um Cat finished with the bogey. You know, she had a drive. She had a little bit of an obstructed, you know, approach shot. Didn't get a whole lot of distance, but she had four strokes to give up. And so it's one of those like, why are you going to press when you don't have to press? So that's one of those instances where not trying to do too much just because you're in the lead. So super happy for her. Sayananda once again finishing on the podium. I'm really excited to see how she uh, continues to perform this season. FPO is just stacked. I'm looking here and all of uh, you don't hit the first 800 rated FPO player until 22nd place, which is just awesome. That means just the FPO field is elevating uh, together. They're all pushing each other further to the top. The cream is really rising to the top. So just a lot, a lot of fun to watch. Cat is currently rated 961 which is just awesome. And Sayananda is rated 956. So that is just really, really cool. It looks like, yeah. So that is just really cool. I was trying to go in like a super personal, like diving into (laughs) round ratings and whatnot. (laughs) Don't need to do that here. Save that for another time. But yeah, so that was 
the Discraft Cascade Challenge. So I am excited for this upcoming tournament. Uh, we have two. We have the Portland Open and we have the Estonia Open. And I didn't realize the Estonia Open was kicking off the European Pro Tour. And now that I know that after checking, I'm way more excited about that than I am the Portland Open. Not because the Portland's bad. Last year, Simon won. Garrett Gerthy and Isaac Robinson finished second and third. We have Valerie Mandahano win last year. She won't be there this year. Her first tournament back is going to be DDO, I believe. And Own and Cat finished uh, second and third last year. So a lot of good names there. A lot of good competition. Really cool course. Some massive trees. Absolutely massive trees. So it will be fun to watch. But I love watching European uh, uh disc golf coverage just really really cool courses and just shows you it really brings to reality that disc golf is a global sport um because we watched the coverage here you know with jomez and ccdg and gk pro and gatekeeper and it's really easy to just fall into this whole mentality that it's american american yeah there's some canadian courses but american american and it's like no there are thousands of disc golfers in Europe. And there are hundreds and thousands of players that compete in tournaments that we're going to get to see names we've never heard. Um, really excited for that. And some names that we have heard. So let's go ahead. And I got my phone here. We're going to do our grip six picks to wrap it up. We're going to start with the Portland Open and we'll go MPO side first. I'm definitely going to go Ricky. Okay, I'm going to go Ricky. He's playing really well, showing great control of the disc, has had zero flare-ups in the last few weeks. I will take defending champ Simon Lazat. Going to give him, pay him that respect. And I have a hard time letting this go. I really need to learn to let this go, but I don't want to not pick him. And then I don't want to not pick him and then he wins. So I'm going to go with Anthony Barella. I'm really ready to see him win finally. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the Pro Tour events. I really want to see that. And then on the FPO side, going Kristen Tatar. She's not playing Estonia Open. She's coming back to the States. Going Kristen Tatar. I'm going to go Own Scoggins because she just is so consistent. You know, uh, she just is always up there in the mix. And then... I'm going to go and pick Paige Pierce. Paige has been playing really well the last month or two, really picking it up. And I really hope that she performs well. I would love to see a Paige and Kristen battle. And so I'm going to pick them. So I got MPO, Wysocki, Lazat, Barella, FPO, Tatar, Scoggins, and Pierce. And let's do the tiebreaker. So pick a random number because I never come close to winning, so it doesn't matter. And then let's take a look at the Estonia Open just to kind of see. Yeah, yeah, we'll do uh, we'll do the Estonia Open because there are. I think I think I recognize a couple of these names here. So on the MPO side, we're gonna go Paul Macbeth. <laughs> we'll take Paul. Uh, I think last time I I picked a European uh, tournament, I I believe I did also pick Lori uh, uh Letanen, and then I'm trying to see, uh, who Silver Lot is playing as well. See, it's funny because so many of the European players that I recognize are 
playing the Portland Open. So when I would normally pick them for you know something like this, they're actually here now. So I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll pick Silver Lot. So I got Macbeth, Lettinen, and Lot. And then on the FPO side, we'll go Katie Tate. Uh, let's see. Do I recognize? Josephine Johansson. I believe I picked her last time and she did well. But I could be misremembering. And we'll then go Silva Saturnin. So we'll go with that. So I'm super excited for this. I love, like I've mentioned, the European uh, courses. Uh, we'll go with that. I have no idea what to expect. Lock those in. Super excited. Well, that is all I have for you today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I always enjoy uh, talking with you about disc golf. I want to encourage you to go out and play some disc golf this week. It's always important to play. Get that exercise. Get that enjoyment. The uh, oh, the uh, I was just talking about this with my wife. The uh, the endorphins. That's the word. Get the endorphins from playing. Go ahead and also teach someone. Be kind to someone out on the course. Encourage people while you're playing. And that is all I have for you today, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'll see you for episode 15. Have a great round, guys. Mm-hmm.